gonna, I'm gonna rate it as zero stars. I'm going zero stars. I mean, if COVID were a restaurant, it'd be the dumpster fire out back. If, if it were the plumber, he'd be the guy that pumps sewage into your house. Uh, if he were the carpenter, he'd be the one who brought the termites over to eat your walls. I mean, I just, I'm just saying, if you're thinking about doing it, send it over to Steve's house. He's got some stuff. Just kidding, don't do that. So I'm just being... So, so I started a new series today called Learning Curve. Um, the, my purpose in this series, you know, Ordinary Faith is kind of, we, we're a weird church, but we're kind of a cool church too. In the sense that we have people from all kinds of walks of faith that come to church together at Ordinary Faith. Some of you guys come from charismatic Bible backgrounds, some from Bible church backgrounds and Baptist backgrounds, Catholic backgrounds, just, just have a whole spread of where people are from. And, and we've been able to work together. And so my point in this series, and my, what I hope to accomplish, is that I, I, I don't, I don't want to just give you permission to, to come to church together. I, wanna, I want us to be able to, to honor, not just respect where we come from, but honor people's past and stories and their giftings. And so today we're looking at um, the, the idea of this message is learning to think. And we're going to come at how that we can adjust our thinking about the things of God, about the Bible, so that we are actually growing spiritually, so that we are maturing as Christians, as followers of Christ, believers in those kinds of things. You see, the Bible is awesome. I think the Bible's awesome, right? Do you think the Bible's pretty awesome? The problem I think a lot of people have with the Bible is they, they don't know where it fits in the scope of things. And so let me help you with the, this understanding. The Bible is not God. The Bi we don't worship the Bible. What we do with the Bible is that the Bible, the, the Scriptures say in John chapter 6, that the Bible brings us to Jesus and He is life. And the Bible also says in John chapter 1 that Jesus is the Word of God. So I think the Bible is critically important to your faith, but if you just study the Bible and never connect with the Word of God who is Jesus, then, then the Bible will produce in you things, not in the Bible itself, but your study of it and your pride in learning it will produce in you ungodly things like pride and judgment of others, which we see a lot. And so what I want you to see as we, as we talk about today is it takes some new things to walk this Christian faith. It takes some, some new ways of thinking to, to grow and mature in your faith. And throughout this whole series, we're going to be talking a lot in 1 Corinthians. Today we're in 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to deal with chapter 12, 13, and 14. Pre-read those, so they might make you a little nervous, but it'll be okay, I promise you. I'm going to do everything I do with respect and honor to wherever you come from. And that I promise you, okay? And, uh, but I do want us to, to learn to grow and work together. So let's jump right into 1 Corinthians chapter 2 today. And verse 2, where the Word of God comes out and says, here's Paul addressing the church at Corinth. Probably interesting to note that this was right after Acts 18 that this happened historically, but I probably shouldn't have even thrown that out there because I don't have time to tell you why that's important. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, My message and my preaching were very plain. Let me pause there right there. That's what Sunday morning's about for us. 
We're trying to be very plain and simple, and, and we want to use language that someone could come in who's never been to church, and that it could make as much sense as possible to them, okay? So here's Paul saying, I, I came to you and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. You trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. What I want you to see in this, Paul is a very, Paul, I don't know if you know this or not, Paul's a very intelligent man. Very well studied for his time in history. Lots of education. So when you read 1 Corinthians 2, the conclusion, if you're coming to the conclusion that we should be anti-intellectuals as Christians and we should just ignore science and ignore history and all those things, that is not what Paul is saying at all, okay? But I'll tell you what he is saying. He's saying if you're going to study spiritual disciplines, you have to approach it from a spiritual foundation, like if you study science, and there are a lot of modes of science, a lot of avenues of science, you would come at the scientific method. By the way, it is a method, not a religion. It's really, the, the world needs to understand that today. Science is a method. When it becomes a religion, it destroys itself. And so scientific is a method of study, of interpreting things, trying to comprehend what's going on. So that's science. You don't study history like you do science. You don't study philosophy like you study history. They're different disciplines that require different approaches and different foundations. And here Paul is telling us there's a spirit discipline, a spirit realm, a spirit world. You can't study the things of the spirit, the things of God with the scientific method or the philosophical method, or the historical method, whatever method that you are comfortable with, it is a unique perspective to comprehend the things of God. So if you're going to grow in your faith, grow in righteousness, grow in power, which God promises to you, you you've got to come at it with a set of tools that are at this point probably foreign to most. So let's look at those tools. I'm going to say three things it takes to get down that path. The first thing is it takes a new wisdom. The second is a new lens. And the third is a new mind. Just in case something happens and I don't get to that last one, you'll know where I was trying to go, okay? So, by the way, my wife has a seven-point Genesis to Revelation thing to cover with the kids back there. So she told me I could go as long as I wanted. <clears throat> First Corinthians 2 6. When I'm among mature believers, I speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of the world who are soon forgotten. Okay? So there's, there's a different kind of wisdom. You and I are born into a world, and we've learned how to get by in this world, right? And in learning to get by in this world, we have learned the wisdom of the world. And that wisdom isn't a lot of fun. That wisdom is a, a get-all-you-can, can-all-you-get kind of wisdom. That wisdom is a wisdom that is, says constantly, there's never enough, 
You have to get as much as you can throughout this life, and there will always be lacking. This world is just filled with a wisdom that's not God's wisdom. That's not the way God thinks. The wisdom on earth is not like the wisdom in heaven. The wisdom of God is different. In fact, it's so much different that Paul is often using the analogy of the difference between light and darkness. Meaning that the wisdom of heaven is so different, it's like a light to shine on everything. And the wisdom of earth is so dark that it dims and hides everything. And so there's this wisdom that Paul talks about. And you should know something. This is the, sa- this is the wisdom that arrested, accused, condemned, and crucified Jesus Christ. The only truly innocent person who ever lived, the world in its finite wisdom killed. That's the wisdom of the world. That's the wisdom that you're born into. That's the wisdom you tend to learn to get by in this life. Okay? So there's this wisdom that we are born into that is broken. So Paul says, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. I want you to see this. I know that God's plan is going to bring incredible glory to God himself. That is without question throughout scripture. But I want you to see that phrase, that he has a plan that was ordained before the foundations of the world that is for our, your ultimate glory. God has a plan for you is how we say it. But it's not a plan to humiliate you. It's not a plan to shame you. It's a plan to glorify you. His work in your life, his power expressed through your life. And that's really hard for Christians to accept. That God has this plan that's going to somehow bring glory in our lives to us. But that's exactly what Paul says is the case. There's a wisdom and that wisdom of God is for our ultimate glory. The rulers of the world have not understand it. If they had, they wouldn't have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So there's a wisdom that's out there. The wisdom of the world is broken and it's the one we know the best because we have born and tried to navigate this world and had no choice but to learn it. But that wisdom is bad wisdom. It's foolishness even. But then there's another narrative that complements the earthly wisdom. And that narrative is, is that God's a jerk. That God doesn't care about you. That God is the cause of guilt, of shame, of anxiety, of stress. There's this fake news out there, if I could borrow the term that's been entirely overused over the last several years, that that God is the cause of all this. And who is God to claim authority over your life? Who is God to say what is right and what is wrong? And the thing about God is, God is is amazing. And, And anytime you draw near to God, what's right about God begins to magnify what's wrong about you. 
And so a lot of times if you're, you're just coming back into church, so I've heard people tell me this all the time, man, when I go to church, I just feel judged. I know a lot of church people. And I'm here to tell you, and I don't mean this to be rude, but we are way too self-centered to worry about judging you. Way too insecure about ourselves to judge you. What are you trying to say, Michael? I'm just saying we're just like, we struggle too. That's all I'm saying. And so when you come to church and feel judged, that's not the people around you. That's just the fact that you're coming into the presence of a God who's nowhere like you. And so it makes you feel guilt and shame. The wisdom of the world doesn't have an answer for that. The wisdom of the world has no answer for guilt and shame and anxiety and fear. The, the world's answer is get busy, distract yourself, lie to yourself, do the emperor's new clothes thing, you know, and pretend like everything you're doing right is right. And if everyone ever tells you that you're naked in the emperor's new clothes, then you get mad and hate them. You know, that's the wisdom of the world. That's not the wisdom of heaven. And that's not true about God. The Bible says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. So yes, the beginning of heaven's wisdom is a fear of the Lord. Is that a terror of the Lord? If you stay in rebellion to the Lord, it certainly could be. But here's the thing about God. God is awesome. Have you ever been in the presence of something truly awesome? A massive waterfall, a, an incredible storm that was breaking, a very large dog. The scar, an emotional scar I'm dealing with. You, you, you encounter these things that are powerful, and they're mighty, and they're, they strike fear and terror into you, but at the same time, they're incredible. They're amazing. They're wonderful. There is this combination. I don't know if you've ever seen a tornado, a, a funnel cloud come out of the sky and hit the ground. But if you ever have, it is, it is so incredible that you, can't, you almost can't stop watching it. And then that's why there are so many videos of people who almost died filming tornadoes. Because they're seeing this truly awesome Thing, this wonderful thing, but it's also terrifying. That's God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. God is awesome. That means, yes, he, he, he is terrifying, but he's also wonderful. And he's also filled with joy. This is the beginning of wisdom. To connect with God and, and who that he really is. But here's the thing about this awesome, terrifying God. He is for you. He's for you. He, he is, this plan that has been founded before the foundations of the world was for your ultimate glory. God has you in mind. And so your life, what you're going through now, what you're going to go through every, everywhere, yes, God is awesome and terrifying, but at the same time, God is on your side. God is behind you. He's before you. He's above you. He's below you. He's beside you on each side. God is for you. And this idea that shame and sin must be hidden, must be ignored, must be somehow, we must distract ourselves from, that is the, an earthly wisdom to deal with a, a real spiritual problem. When God has freedom for you. God has freedom for you. God has power for you. 
So, but we have to switch wisdoms. We have to stop thinking like the horizontal world we live in. We, we don't forget it. We don't discard it. Jesus said, be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. We need to know the world we live in. But we need to connect with a heavenly reality. There needs to be a, a funnel, a tunnel, a pipeline in our life that connects us directly with the throne room of heaven. We need a new wisdom. But what's that pipeline? Well, that takes us into a new lens. 1 Corinthians 2.10. Actually, give me a sec. I, I want to finish. Let me read verse 9 first. <clears throat> Christians love verse 9, and they never read verse 10, so I like to do it every chance I get. The scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay? We read that, we think of heaven, and like, yes, it's going to be so good. On the other side of our tombstone, life is going to be grand. But you need to read verse 10. Verse 10 says, but it was to us that God revealed these things. By his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And you got to read 9 and 10 together. Verse 11 No one can know a person's thoughts except God's own spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Their own spirit, God's own spirit, forgive me. And we received, and we have received, past tense, we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. You see, there's this lens that's needed to see the things of God, the things that are beyond imaginations, the things that are too wonderful for us. That lens is for now. It's not, it's, it's not for later. You're not going to need it later because later you're going to be in the presence, the physical manifest presence of God. You won't need a lens. 1 Corinthians 13 says, now we see through a glass darkly, we, blurry, but, but then we're going to see face to face. So Christians, believers, Christ followers, they move from an old wisdom into a new lens for things. They begin, they get something from God so they can comprehend who God is, how God is, the way God wants to work in our life. They begin to see things. You see, a lot of times what we're trying to do on Sundays, we try and argue we try and present arguments for people. We want to make them think about heavenly things. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that. People are gifted for that even by the Spirit to do that very thing. But here, here's the, the reality. Until you get this lens, this way to see what God's doing, you're never going to see it. I can tell you how, I could use natural illustrations to describe the beauty of God. Mountains, skies. Last night there was some rain running through. We live out north now, which is like next door to heaven. It's like heaven acres point two point oh. I don't know. It's crazy. Every day we're like, I cannot believe we live here. And, and we're sitting on the back deck and I'm watching those stores, those clouds come over White Mountain. It started to rain a little bit. It was magnificent. My, my father knows what to do with a canvas, man. I'm telling you, he's good. It was beautiful. And I could tell you that. And I could say this here, we have all these natural demonstrations of how beautiful and kind and glorious God is. But here's the problem. It's only a natural illustration. You can appreciate the mountain. You can appreciate the clouds. You can appreciate the rain, the, the wind. But you still have no clue that the Creator who created those things is far more infinitely more beautiful 
than those things could ever be. Do you understand? We need a lens that's bigger than this one we have because the earth doesn't have one. My son, I have a, my oldest son, I, I told you several weeks ago about his story about his eye surgery, and I forgot to tell you guys that God miraculously provided the funds for that, by the way, before we even left. We had a $25,000 bill. Someone paid it, just, just like that. Praise the Lord. I forgot to tell you, my wife's been on my case for a month that, that I messed up. So, <laughs> just kidding, not really on my case. But my son, because of inflammation, he has a, a, an iritis, an arthritis type thing in his eyes, both of them. They had to remove a lens from his eye. Now, out of that eye, he cannot, he's blind. He can only see light. He can't focus. He can't do anything, any of those things because he doesn't have a lens. And that's why you need a new lens because the world doesn't have one at all. It can't comprehend the things of God and the goodness of God. And so we need a lens. And what is the lens? Well, the lens is the Holy Spirit. The lens is the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. That pipeline from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. I'm going to throw that out there for free. From heaven to earth. We as Christians have to wrap our hearts and minds around the reality that we live from heaven to earth and not the other way around. You live from earth to heaven, you're going to live in constant stress. Because what's happening on earth stinks. Naughty things, terrible things, wicked things are happening here. But what's happening here isn't happening there. And Jesus' prayer, in the Lord's prayer, was to ask God, every time you pray, ask God for what is happening in heaven to happen here. The will of God in heaven to happen on earth. And so the Holy Spirit is that pipeline from heaven to earth. It's not that God doesn't care about your challenges. He certainly, certainly does. It's just that we need what heaven has. Heaven does not need what we have, right? Amen? So the point of this lens is to take us into a place where that we are living with, with God in us, God for us, God through us, okay? That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Bible says this, Galatians 3, 5. Ooh, I'm, try, I'm trying to stay in the time limits. And so... Uh, Ah, forget it. Anyway, so, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Galatians 3, 5 is a passage I've wrestled with, and I wrestle with it not because of its context, but because of why it's in the context it's in. Paul's talking to a church, the church at Galatia, that he went to, there was an outpouring of God, everyone, people came to faith, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, outpouring of miracles, and in that outpouring, I mean, just the church was founded, and then... A bunch of people with earthly wisdom and no lens came in. They, they did not have, these people did not either, they either didn't have the Holy Spirit or they were discrediting the Holy Spirit. They're either walking in ignorance or unbelief or pure disobedience. Or they were unsaved altogether, which was, seems to be what Paul's saying in the text. So in this though, he's trying to convince the Galatians, you've got to live. You've got to live in power. You, the, the, you can't trust, you can't live by the law, you can't live by rules anymore, you can't live from earth to heaven, you've got to live from heaven to earth. So in Galatians 3, 5, he says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. What I want you to see in this text is that God, that Paul is using... The evidence of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life and in the function of the church to prove the gospel. 
He's using it to prove the gospel. Crazy. I like, well, you're probably, you may be sitting there going, we don't need proof of the gospel. We know the gospel makes sense. Bad news, worse news, good news, great news. That's the gospel, right? No, no, actually, there's a whole lot more to the gospel. Because the gospel is Jesus Christ. And everything about Jesus Christ. The, the Bible's about the gospel, Genesis to Revelation. All right? So there's a whole lot to it. And so what he's doing is he's connecting the Galatian church to an experience to confirm a truth. Truth and experience. Truth and experience. Never let your experience limit God's truth. Never let your experience limit God's truth. Never let your experience contradict God's truth. What God says is true. Doesn't matter how you feel about it, and it doesn't matter what you're experiencing. If your experience is falling short of what God says is true, to live filled with power, love, and a sound mind, if if uh, uh, to to be have to have love, joy, peace, gentleness, faith, self-control. If your experience is falling short of God's truth, God's truth ain't the problem. God's truth's not the problem. The problem is, the problem may be belief. The problem may be ignorance. The problem may be I'm walking in a path Holy Spirit doesn't walk. Romans chapter 8 talks about us walking with the Spirit, and that's where our life of no condemnation dwells. It's a great chapter to study about, but through verse 16 is what deals with all of that. Romans 8, 1 through 16. My point is this. We have to have a new lens, and it's through that new lens which is God's spirit, which is also your spirit. Because it's been given to you. I don't know if you know this or not, but the day that you stood up and said, I declare Jesus Christ as Lord of my life, and I follow him, the promise, the inheritance of the Holy Spirit was granted to you. If, if, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, I've talked to a lot of Christians over the years that are struggling. I don't even know if I have the Holy Spirit, Michael. There's three problems. Belief, ignorance, or path. Okay? It's one of those three issues. Because if God says you have his spirit and God commands be filled with his spirit as he does in Galatians and Ephesians, guess what you have available to you, brother or sister? The Holy Spirit. You have a pipeline between Father and you available to you. Michael, how do I get a hold of that? Belief? Path? That's where you begin, okay? You know what you could do? This may sound a little crazy. You could just ask. The good Father, every good gift comes from the Father, comes from above. And, and if he who knocks, the door's opened, he who asks, receives. Your Father is in heaven. He is not hiding this from you. He's not messing with you. God isn't messing. These promises in his word are not to torment you. There to bless you. Any of you guys ever had Easter eggs for your kids? Just raise your hand. I had Easter eggs for you. Okay, put them down. You ever wrap a Christmas present for someone you care about? All right. Is it because you want to annoy them? You wrap that Christmas present and wrap a few empty ones? Put them under the tree to kind of inflate it. When the kids are bad, you throw one in the fire, the empty ones, just to torment them. The Easter eggs, you put them out there, and we're buying the kids candy. Now we're going to hide it all. <laughs> I hope they don't find the Reese's, because that's the one I want. 
Your father is not hiding anything from you, but he is hiding some things for you. Why do you do that? Because you love your children. You want to see their joy when they discover the gifts you have for them. You want to, you want to come alongside them as like a co-laborer and experience the wonder that they're experiencing. That's why you hide things for the people you love. And that is exactly why God has the Holy Spirit for you. And yes, it may take a push on a door. It may take a season of prayer. It may take a season of receiving. But you have to know that God's Holy Spirit is for you and He can't wait till you receive it in as full a capacity as this life and His power will allow. This is the lens through which Christians view the world. I hope you can see that. And, 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 uh, and no, uh, one more thing before I move on from the lens. You, you have to know this. Holy Spirit is truth and experience. I know I hit this a little bit earlier. I just, you need to know. It's not just what you think about. It's not just what you know. Holy Spirit is energy. He's power. He's dunamis, explosive power is the Greek word. And, 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 and that power is for your life, Okay. It does something. It's truth and power. And they don't cancel each other out. They continually confirm each other. So I need a new wisdom. i got to walk in a, in a way of thinking that the world doesn't know. I need a lens because I need to see things the world can't even see. And last, I need a new mind. A new way of thinking. 1 Corinthians 2.13 When we tell you these things, we don't use words from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who, don't, who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. But only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. But people who aren't spiritual... Did I just read that twice? Nope. Sorry. I fixed something that wasn't broken. You ever do that? Anyway, verse 15. Those who are spiritual can evaluate things, for they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For we can know the Lord's thoughts, who knows enough to, who knows enough to teach Him. But we can understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So what I see here in Paul's last, this phrase, that I'm, last one I'm touching on today, is one is Paul's talking about a new language. He says, I use words from heaven. I use words of truth. I use words that people of the world don't understand. If you, if you use world wisdom, if you use the world's non-lens, you're not going to get the things that I'm talking about. But if you do, then these words of wisdom are for you. So I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about the fact that God speaks a different language than you do. And that is, that is one of the key. This is why you need to be Bible-fed, because the Bible is filled with God's language. It's, it's filled with God's ideas, God's dreams, God's thoughts. And the more you get that thinking of God inside of you, the easier it's going to be for you to be led by His Spirit. And so it, you have this mind, and I'm not talking about Christianese and churchy words. We, try, we really try to be real plain and not use a lot of those. Sometimes it's unavoidable. I mean, some words like justification, it's a big, long word, but it's so awesome you've got to talk about it sometimes, right? I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about this, this new language that the Bible guides us in. The Bible's kind of like a, a dictionary, a code breaker for how God talks. 
And so it takes a new mind, which leads us into a new language. And then if we're going to learn how to work in this new mind, I want to challenge you to learn to think about Jesus. To think about Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says in Colossians 3.10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Well, who's our creator? He says again in Colossians 1, Paul writes, he, speaking of Jesus, made the things we can see and the things that we can't see. So Paul's saying here, I want you to spend a lot of time thinking about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to wrap your head around the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus said, the illustrations from his life, and the breakdowns of what his, the writers of the epistles have said about him. I just want you to think a lot about Jesus. Imagine, if you will, imagine what it would be like if you were one of Jesus' initial 12 disciples. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? I mean, every day you get to follow Jesus around, you get your personal rap session where he sits with the 12, tells them what's up for the day, end of the day, breaks it down for you, then he lets you know where you really stand and yay team, right? That's what discipleship is. It's following Jesus. Even now, 2,000 years later, it's still following Jesus. So how do we do that? So I'm going to give you a new word today. And uh, it's an old word, but I'm going to make a verb out of it. Is that okay? Can I make a verb out of a a noun? You have no control over what's about to happen. So be at peace, my friend. I want to encourage you to Bible. I want to use the word Bible as a verb. Why? Because it's not enough to just read the Bible. I mean, if you're not reading the Bible, you should start. It's a very interesting book. But it's, it's a lot deeper. It's a lot deeper than, than just reading. You ever read a book that you read it and all it really did was whet your appetite to really think about the book? That's the Bible. And so I want to encourage you to realize that there's the Bible, there's the Word, and there's the Spirit. The Bible, the Word, and the Spirit. You say, well, isn't the Bible the Word of God? Yes. The Bible is God's Word. But Jesus is the Word of God. The Bible says, John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. What is the Word of God? The Word, like, you say a word because you have a thought, right? And so you have these thoughts in your, you think a lot of thoughts about a lot of things. And out of your mouth come words. Jesus is the word that come out of the thoughts and intents of God's heart. And that's what God wants to connect you with. And so if you're going to do that, you need to be Bible-fed, as we talked about earlier. You need the Bible. That's reading, that's memorizing, that's thinking about it, it's thinking deeply on it, it's meditating on it. So as you distinguish between this, the more you're in the Bible itself, what happens is this, Romans 10, 17, love this passage. Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't say reading. It doesn't say reading. It says hearing. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. And I hate to get Greek on you, but I'm just for a minute, just for a minute. I really have a hard enough time with English, so when I go Greek, it's not good usually. That word is the word rhema. R-H-E-M-A, transliterated. And it means the spoken word. 
In John, where it says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that's the word logos, which means the eternal Word. But here he says, if he, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. So here's what happens. When you take the Bible and you start the Bible, start, think of the Bible as a verb. You start the Bible, you read, you meditate, you think, you consider, you share it with somebody, you speak you say it out loud. Some of those sweet times come just discussing it. And you make the Bible a verb. What happens is you're getting the Bible in you and the Holy Spirit is in you because you're a follower of Christ. And the Holy Spirit, which is the breath of God, begins to take the word that's in you and he begins to breathe it. This is how faith grows. This is how faith grows. It takes a different kind of thinking to get here. It, it takes a way to get, get there. It, it's like... Have you ever, uh, with your husband, your spouse, have you ever sent a text message and got in a fight? No answers. No, I like, no, never happened. And, and you didn't mean anything negative by the text message. Like, I'll be home in 10 minutes. Humph! Does anyone else text back humph? I don't, how do you spell that? Even? I don't even know how to spell it. The problem with a text message and the problem with an email, and why I never deal with conflict in either one of those ways, is that words on a page strip out 90% of the content of the message. See, when I talk to you, you, you know, you, you'll talk to me, you'll smile, your body language, whatever. I'll read all that stuff subconsciously, won't even know I'm doing it. And I'm getting the full message of you. And so when I have conflict, especially with the most beloved and dear person in my, in my life, who's my wife, I'm going to have that face-to-face -face because I want the full message that I'm still going to goof up, but I want the full message. It's the same with God. The Bible, by itself, is words on a page. But the Bible, with the wisdom of God and the lens of the Holy Spirit, now I'm connecting with the mind of Christ. That's His mind that I possess as part of this amazing salvation package. Does that make sense? So when you talk about learning to walk in the ways of God, walk in ways of power and of love and of self-control, we, we're moving in some new areas that are foreign to us. And that's okay. It's okay to do something new. It, but it's not okay to try and do something new with old and adequate skills. And so now we have new skills available to us through the wisdom of God, the lens of the Holy Spirit, and the mind of Christ. Here's the thing, guys. You've got to acknowledge that the wisdom of the world is broken. The lens of the world doesn't even exist. And the mind of the world is insane. And so a follower of Christ has to move to a new place. And that's a learning curve. That's figuring things out differently and stepping into those things. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series and today, as I close, worship team, if you want to go ahead and come up, I just want to, we're going to worship a bit, and I'm going to be available if you would like me to come pray for you. 
Actually, we have enough people in here. I'm just, I'll go over here for the last two songs behind the prayer sign if I can pray for you. But if you, if you like realize, I've been living with the world wisdom, no lens, and an insane mind. And I'd like to move into the ways and paths of God. You're going to need those for the rest of the series. We're, gonna, we're going to study some things that are supernatural in nature. And we're going we're gonna to learn how, to, how to, to use what God's given us and to honor others that God has given other things. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for a chance to study your word, to think about these incredibly wonderful